for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Well, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, we, we debated whether we were even going to do this show today because really nothing's happened. We've had to really <laughs> dig some stuff up. We, we both made lists before we came in here, which I am—I commend you. It, must be, it might be the first time you've... Uh, you, you've prepared uh, intentionally on, to paper about this, Tim. But uh, all right, I actually I'll, used my notes app on my phone. Oh well, okay, of course, yes. Mm. I like notepads. I would have done it that way, but I realized I didn't have any paper with I've, me when I I've got g- here. I've got my notepad, my legal pad that is is mildly drenched uh, from the the water bath that the Roosevelt boys yeah, basketball team, yeah, decided to get. They decided to give Mitch Begaman the, uh, the 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 water shower right. Right on top of uh, of my laptop and all my equipment, but that was uh, like the twentieth best thing that happened over the weekend or the last two weeks. All right, so we can go back and forth there. USD women go to the Sweet Sixteen; they bludgeon Baylor at Baylor. The Jacks women manhandle Minnesota. Providence men shocked the world and beat SDSU. <laughs> According to Ed Cooley, they shocked the world by beating the Jackrabbits as a four seed. Todd Lee got fired. Eric Peterson takes over for the Coyote men. They throw it back to the Craig Smith era. Speaking of that era, T.J. Otzelberger leads Iowa State to the best turnaround in college basketball history. Two wins to how many now? I don't even know. Two in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, there you go. Uh, to the Sweet 16. They beat Wisconsin in Milwaukee. I don't care who would have beaten Wisconsin in Milwaukee, but it was really cool that it was T.J. Otzelberger. They ended Brad Davis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Matthew Moores leaves the Badgers a day later, enters the transfer portal along with Noah Friedel and who else? Everybody, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, on a court where Friedel and Moores won state championships at Denny Sanford Premier Center, Roosevelt's boys uh, went back-to-back and were the first perfect team, the first undefeated team since Lincoln 2009. On that same court, Lincoln's JT Rock made a 40-footer in the consolation semifinals, and he's being recruited by Wisconsin and Nebraska and Iowa and Iowa State and Creighton. The Creighton women beat Iowa. Iowa's men lost to Richmond, which was awesome. I especially enjoyed Iowa's women losing for some reason because they were the number two seed. They were at home. They had the best player in the country. And Creighton beat them. Creighton. Tiny little Creighton. Um, the Hawkeye men and women lose. I said that. Calipari lost to St. Peter's. Uh, the Twins signed Korea. The Vikings retained Cousins and a partridge in a pear tree. I know I missed something. What else did you You had a couple of things. Tom Brady unretired, which I almost missed yeah. when that happened. Um, Aaron Rodgers resigned with the Packers. Um, yeah, and it wasn't for the Twins. It wasn't just Carlos Correa. You know, they traded Josh Donaldson. They, you know, made the big trade with the Yankees. Traded a first-round pick for Sonny Gray. All of a sudden, they're the most active team in baseball in the frenzied, shortened uh, off-season, preseason we have here. Uh, Deshaun Watson apparently is back in the league. Huge contract with the Browns, and of course, the beloved John Clayton died over the week, which I know for you and me both was a. A sad development. Yeah. yeah, and not just because of that commercial, but really that no. that commercial did kind of, I, I think, define him in a very good sort of way because the it, it, to me it was the most brilliantly written and created commercial you could imagine from mm-hmm. those Sports Center commercials. Because he because he every, was the professor, but then yes, the yeah. the play on his. Well, also, did you know about the this kind of urban legend 
that all those years he was working on ESPN that he had a ponytail yes. supposedly yes. Yeah. and it was like yeah. this big secret yeah. I felt like it was a little bit of a nod to that too and, and of course it yeah. was either because I can't remember if it was either Dan Patrick or Dan Levitard somebody would sm- talk about it on their show and laugh about it the, the ponytail yes, thing yes the ponytail yeah. yeah. And finally somebody decided to make that a public kind of right. speculation oh it turned out he did not after all have a ponytail <laughs> it did kind of then, then he sometimes just had, he'd turn his head and there'd be this little scraggly yeah. flip of like, like a floppy disk like he just needed a haircut basically yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then he yeah takes off the the fake suit and uh, and then yeah throws out the curly long hair and he's wearing the Slayer T-shirt, wearing a <laughs> playing Slayer. I thought it was weird. The only thing I didn't like about the commercial is I loved the I loved the um, the Chinese takeout food, mm-hmm. but but he was yelling to his mom that he was done with his segment when it would have made more sense that like he wanted some food. But maybe they were trying not to rip off. Old school, old school too yeah. much with the meatloaf. Yeah. Anyway, R.I.P. John Clayton, who, you know, and the best the, the best part initially, there's no good thing about him dying, but of course he dies, and we, we get to learn some things about him. And uh, it was not just the seeing the commercial, which I watched a f- more than a few times over again, because you know it's been ten years, I'd forgotten about it. Was these stories like he was just like the best guy, you, right? You, and you, the you, stories were all the same, yeah. Which is how you know that they're not just people blowing smoke; that it's yeah. like he was actually that genuine of a you dude. Know. And maybe there's more genuine guys out there, but sometimes we assume the the, the biggest time media people it, are kind funny, of... It's not, funny, not to spend too much time talking about John Clayton, but uh, <laughs> the first person I thought of when he died was Sean Salisbury. Uh, I don't know if you remember, they had this like sort of running gag on whether it was Sports Center or the you know NFL primetime, where the two of them would go on and argue, and they would get after each other, and Salisbury in particular would be pretty cruel with some of the things he would say to Clayton. And when they first started doing it, I wasn't sure if it was a bit or not. And I remember watching it and thinking, like, God, John Salisbury's such an asshole. And then it became apparent after a while, like, oh, okay, I think this is kind of a gag, and there, it's a running okay. joke. Was it the and, jack picking on the nerd sort yes, of thing? Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. And 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 Clayton would fire back with some of the "you're a dumb jock" sort of things, yeah. you know, and yeah. and you weren't a very good quarterback, you yeah. know, what was your career quarterback rating, that kind of stuff, and. Um, but yeah, the first few times I was like, "Wow, like Sean Salisbury's a dick," <laughs> and then after I was like, "Oh, I get it. This is a bit." And then, sure enough, when John Clayton died, Sean Salisbury sent out you know a string of tweets saying like, "This was my best friend. He was the greatest uh, guy ever. I'm heartbroken," and that was really nice. I had forgotten about yeah. that, so thank you for reminding me yeah. of that. And now, now I miss Sean Salisbury, kind of. Uh, and uh, so anyway, we'll we'll start. I mean, I think the biggest headliner of all these is the USD women going to the Sweet 16. I mean, that's just. Well, not um, just that they went, but how they went. Yeah, and who they beat. They beat Baylor. The only thing, the only thing that made it not perfect and over the moon beyond words awesome was that Kim Mulkey wasn't coaching the Bears. I, mean, <laughs> I think they we all agree on that. Kim yeah. Mulkey, that would have even been better. And part of me wondered, was wondering during the game, kind of like, well, what if Kim Mulkey was coaching? I mean, maybe they wouldn't be losing. Okay. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know for I sure. I mean, Don Plitzewhite, not to you know pick on this Nikki Cullen, I think her name is. Yeah. Not, not to pick on her, but I mean, Don coached circles around her. It yeah. was almost kind of. I almost felt bad for Baylor by the end of the game, honestly, because yeah. they were never even in it. That was an ass whooping. They jump out to an eleven nothing lead. You're like, holy cow! You scored the first eleven points of the game. Like, it's still going to be hard to win this game, but you just gave yourself, you know, a chance. And <laughs> they never, they never, never even, never once pulled even. I think they got within four or five late in the first half, and then USD immediately, you know, scores like six points right back in a row. Goes to half at eleven, and yeah, I'll have another one. And that's that's. It was that sure. was it, and they didn't make a run in the second half. I mean, that was just unbelievable to see. And you know, this is USD's moment. I don't want to you know take away from it at all by talking about SDSU, but I'll say this: when SDSU's women made the Sweet 16 in 2019, it wasn't that much of a surprise. No. They were a six seed. 
So you figured they were going to win their first game. And then in the second game, it was a six versus a three. Syracuse was nothing special. Like, that was a historic moment for SDSU to win, but it wasn't that surprising. Yeah. What USD has done here, first of all, is a 10 seed. Like I said, I don't think that was a big upset for a 10 seeded USD to beat a seven seed Ole Miss because the Coyotes probably should have been a higher seed than that. Mm-hmm. But still, it was a 10 beating a seven. Absolutely. Then you're like, okay, that's a great win for them, but probably going to end there because yeah. now they got to go play a two seed at their home floor. Yeah. Like, congratulations, Yotes. You got your first tournament win. You know, let's hope you put up a good showing against yeah. Baylor. Yeah, don't embarrass and then, us. And don't. then they go out and kick yeah. their ass. Right. I mean, that is just unbelievable. And what it also means is if you can beat Baylor, you can beat anyone. The Final Four is in Minneapolis. I don't want to try and jinx them or anything like that, but you cannot tell me that that's not a possibility. If you can beat Baylor, you can beat anybody. They're going to Wichita. Who's in their Who's in their region? I, uh, I just I, know they play Michigan. Okay. No, they, okay. Well, and, of course, that's seeping with a little – Fun trivia because Don Plitzel White coached, coached there, yeah. there, and uh, but they just beat it too. Not like they 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 actually get an easier quote unquote <laughs> right. easier game to get to the Elite Eight. Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the the Jacks run to the Sweet Sixteen, and uh, this is Adult John letting the moment breathe, and actually never ending up tweeting this or saying anything until now. Is that I? It's a bigger to me. It is a bigger win than the Jackrabbits' Sweet Sixteen win. They were the first to do it. They were the pioneers. They almost beat Baylor to go to the Sweet Sixteen. When they mm-hmm. first, the, the mm-hmm. very first time they made the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament, like mm-hmm. a year or two after they even were playing in the Summit League, um, you know, 2009. I mean, I mean, that was it came down to the final possession I, against Kim Mulkey, mm-hmm. back when Baylor probably was even better than it is now, um, and they were two seed at the time. But I, that was somewhere around the Brittany Griner era, anyway. Uh, but but this was more impressive because they did the the. Well, what's Baylor's? Did beat Baylor. They were a two I, I seed, but what's their national ranking? Like five or uh, six. Good question. And I would assume so. And I, I think I read that that was the highest ranked team a Summit League team has ever mm. beaten, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, what was Syracuse's seed? Were they three? They were three. Okay, but and I think yeah, they were ranked like in the top twenty, maybe. Yeah, you know? it just it didn't seem like that Syracuse team was as big and powerful and strong. And it's taking nothing away from SDSU still doing that. Yeah, no, it was an impressive, impressive win, but I'm guessing this is on another level. And I'm guessing Baylor's environment was a little tougher to play in. You were in Syracuse, so yeah, it was, there I, were three thousand people there in a you know in a fifty whatever in a big yeah in a carrier <laughs> dome. Uh, so the other thing is, I, I, I'd love you to put on your, uh, well, Bill Raftery hat, I guess, or Billy Packer hat. In what way did Don coach circles around Nikki, whatever her I name mean, is? I mean, just the way that there, there were no, there was never a run. I mean, I'm, I'm not an ex and O's guy, so yeah. like I can say, well, she switched to a zone here, and then they went to their motion. I don't know, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah. know that. Yeah. But just, I mean, part of it is just, you know, the, the basics of it, whether Nikki Cullen didn't convince her team that USD was capable of beating them right. and Dawn did convince her team that they were capable of winning although I, I don't think they needed that convincing I mean a lot of it we can talk about you know that big three seniors and what happened to them two years ago and I think all those cliches about being a team on a mission and everything that's true you know that was definitely a part of it but just to watch how that game unfolded and how a run never came how you know they continued to just not have any answers for USD's defense um, I mean, it just looked like USD was – I'm, I'm not talking so much about in-game adjustments or play calling, but just the preparation. Yeah. USD was the better prepared team yeah. to win that yeah, game. Yeah, they looked ready for what yeah. was coming at them. And yeah. they did against Mississippi as well, I mean, for right away. Because you know, I was kind of I was kind of cringing at the start, especially when uh, they, they trotted out Sha- – what was her name? I forget her last name, but Shakira for Ole Miss and her last name. I didn't get to watch that game. Uh, I don't know. Deceives me, but they had – Shakira, I think it was Austin. Anyway, it was. Uh, I mean, she 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 just looked bigger, taller, better. She was one of the best SEC players. She transferred from somewhere else, might have been UConn, uh, uh, and 
Maryland. She transferred from Maryland, which is also one of those top eight or ten teams. And I was like, wow, the Yotes don't have – I know the Yotes, and I don't – they don't have anybody that can stop her. Well, and then immediately, immediate first play, they they lob it to her. Hannah Shervin picks it off. The Oats run say, down. And I, I don't want to keep it making was, it about how because how, I've been on the Hannah Shervin bandwagon train, whatever, for a long time. And I I hate to keep making it sound like I'm I'm bagging on other USD players because obviously they're a, a team yeah. thing. But Hannah Shervin is just a unique player, and there aren't other players like that in the Summit League. Yep. You know, the second she transferred in, it was kind of like. Uh, they got a six-three gal who was a power five recruit, who's you know got the physicality, the length to be you know that's a power five center. Mm-hmm. The size that she has, the way she mm-hmm. affects the game on defense. There's nobody like that in the Summit League, and there never really has been. I think there was the Oral Roberts had a gal a few years ago who was like six-five. She had a triple double in the Summit League tournament with with block shots. So she was a, a big physical presence too, but she didn't have. Uh, the skills that Hannah does on top of the size. You know, I mean, she's just, you talk about whenever the Jacks would be in the NCAA tournament, they're women. I would always say, you know, their best chance of winning is getting a, a, a draw against a team that doesn't have that 6'4", 6'5", post because the Jacks just never would have anyone who could who could match up with them. And that's usually how it played out. If they ran into a team that had that kind of size in the middle, they got beat. If they ran into a team whose starting post was 6'1", 6'2", hey, they got a shot because that's no bigger than what they got. USD's different. You got a Hannah Shervin in there, you can play with anybody in the country because right. I'm not saying she's the best center in the nation, but I'm saying she can hang with the best centers in the nation. There's nobody that's going to push her around or she's nope. going to be intimidated or she can't play with her. And she can knock down outside shots yeah. as well, mid-range yeah. and outside. And, uh, and, and Yod fans will remember this better than me, but I believe you know this is USD's fourth you know, qualification or NCAA berth. And in 2019, their first, they didn't have Sherman. I think she came as a sophomore in 2020, so they didn't have her because I remember Mississippi State or Clemson. It was at Mississippi State. Clemson was the team that took them out and Don's first – trip with the Yotes there and mm-hmm. I think it was the same thing like they just didn't have the size they got roughed up and the other the other part is though and it I you're gonna you are gonna hate this but it does seem like USD's women the way they're beating Ole Miss and Baylor SEC and Big 12 teams is kind of the way Wisconsin's men beat a lot of teams uh-huh. it's it fun Slow the game down, defense, limiting possessions. Fundamentals, yeah. smart, and just don't miss. I mean, you, you're because you're still kind of smaller as a team. You're and because uh, at least in Old Miss's case, I don't remember what Baylor was playing. But you got to beat a zone. You got to hit early shots to beat a zone. You're going to have to hit some outside mm-hmm. shots. They're not going to come easy, and they do. I mean, they've got the players to do it, and they just don't miss. They don't miss. They don't make mistakes, and then they and they will frustrate the hell out of more talented yeah. teams as the game goes on, and they stay in the lead and don't buckle. The way they talk and communicate on defense, the way they switch, the way they have that length that their hands are always up. I mean, just watching that or, or uh, Baylor game, was just like, there's just no good shots. You know, those USD, you got hand in the middle, but then their guards, their wings, they get out there and they get their hands up and they're just, there was never a good shot. Yeah. It was just so impressive how they executed their defense. So much fun to watch. And I, the only, the regret I have about the old Miss game, by the way, was that I did not see the coach's remarks about South Dakota until after the game. Did you mm-hmm. see what the coach had to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the old Miss coach. She was pretty complimentary, wasn't she? Uh, she? Well, before the game, like the day before the game at the press she was conference, buttering them up. Yeah. No, she wasn't. She was. Oh. oh no, 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 no. The exact opposite. She really? was. Uh, and the announcers were talking about her during the game before I saw this clip. 
that you know she's kind of, she's kind of full of swag like she's one of those cocky coaches oh, okay. and that's her team plays and like uh-huh. Ole Miss won one game the year Maybe before it was the she Baylor got coach there. I was bartering him up then. But, anyway, uh, yeah, no the the Ole Miss coach was saying before the game just that they've never they've oh, never right. seen they've never seen anyone like they've never seen anyone yep. like us. Yep. Yep. And uh, so it would have made the win a lot sweeter. And then, of course, I don't, we, we, we don't need to spend too much time on this. Uh, I, I, will always, I usually, as an announcer, stand up for announcers, and I get a kick out of any fan who complains about announcers when their team is losing or even when their team is winning. Especially, they hate my team. They, well, especially if you're the underdogs or you're from South Dakota or even the Minnesota Twins when they play the Yankees or something like that. Yep, yep. You know, they're always against you. They don't know anything about They're not respecting you. But, my God, these – Announcers for the USD Baylor game. These these two ladies on the broadcast. Who I thought I, I I thought they did a fine job in the old Miss game, but as it was getting closer to the end, it was clear that they're like, I don't know if it was be- because it's a company line at ESPN. Like it needs Baylor so bad to right. keep moving on. Right. But they sounded devastated that Baylor. It wasn't just like wow, this is impressive. Right. It was like. Wow, they are they are really crushed. Right, that USD is winning this game to the point right. where it was almost offensive. Yeah, it was weird, and I always try to give them the benefit of the doubt because you know we get those same sort of accusations all the time, and we're like, I promise you, there is no agenda here. Right. Um, so I'm usually the last one to make that accusation, and even when someone says something, I always try to, all right, you know, what did they mean? Like, because maybe that sounded wrong, but maybe there was some sort of miscommunication, or they just didn't say well what they meant to say, or something. So the first couple times I heard something, I was kind of like, that's weird that's more how I term like that's a weird thing to say you didn't mean that did you you know but as the game continued because part of it I I think a great part of it wasn't just that it felt like they wanted Baylor to win it just felt like they didn't do any homework like they didn't know anything about USD's team it felt like like I kind of got the sense they showed up there was like okay what's the coach's name who's their leading scorer give me a roster so I can read off the names whenever they're holding the ball and like that was the extent of the homework that they did I mean they just didn't know anything about him and they were talking about, you know, the, the all the little sort of vignettes they throw in there in the middle of the game. And the one everyone was talking about, the girl who volunteered at the dog shelter or something. Like, they kind of tried to cram that story in, like, right was when the game was in a tense moment and USD was coming back. <laughs> Jeez, and, that's like, like the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, my fiance Jen, is a USD grad, so she was watching the game much more uh, with much more interest than I was. She was vocally rooting for the Oats and when that she actually when they showed that went oh come on and like threw something at the TV like, she was like Jesus <laughs> I you know, doing that. yeah and it was just you know yeah by the end of the game and then when the when the one commentator goes seems like we have more urgency than they do it's like you're kind of telling on yourself when you say that, that. was like, the one that was I don't know one. what she thought she meant by saying that, but she basically was just like, "Well, we're rooting for him to win, and they're not playing yeah. hard." Yeah, it's like, yeah. come on, like. And now I would also say to, to fans that get worked up, about, who gives a shit? Right, like, it doesn't matter. It didn't sure. it didn't impact the game. It should USD make it more fun. Yeah, it should like, make it I've, sweeter. I've, yeah, I've never felt like, oh, I can't enjoy this, or or my team's going to lose because Joe Buck doesn't yeah. want him to win, you know, or something like right. that. But, right. But it was just it was very odd to watch it. And I, I just you know, I'm always hesitant to, to criticize others in the profession, but they just seemed ill prepared and I didn't think they did a yeah. did a I thought they did a disservice to USD with how they covered that game. Well, I'm going to guess they're gonna have better announcers on this one because it'll be the sweet sixteen and they might be a little better prepared because yeah. uh, you know, it's a bigger spotlight game. So and we're not gonna spend time on preparing everybody for Michigan. All I can do, the only thing I know about the Michigan women is Nebraska beat them in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, if there's anything about both the men's and the women's NCAA tournaments, particularly the men's, and it seems to happen year after year, 
Most of the time, these conference tournaments don't mean jack. Unless right. somebody who is not going to qualify for the tournament in the first place wins them, right. it, it, it impacts seeding. Well, they have momentum going well, like, into the NCAA. Yeah. I mean, oh, Indiana beats Michigan in the Big Ten men's tournament basically to get in. That was their qualifying win. Good for them. Uh, but, but Michigan's like, yeah, 17 and 14, and people bitch and moan, and now they're in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they did themselves a favor by, by getting knocked out uh, on Wednesday or whatever it was of the Big Ten tournament. So, the, but, but Nebraska's a good team, not a great team, coached by Amy Williams, and mm-hmm. they were able to beat Michigan in the Big Ten tournament for, for what that's worth. So I think if the Huskers can beat them, I think – uh, having seen both teams, Nebraska has a little more offensive firepower. Uh, I think USD is a better team than Nebraska for sure, and um, and for all the reasons we've talked about, Don and everything they do. Uh, so I would think if Nebraska can beat Michigan, again, it's different from the conference well, tournament. I think if USD, USD can, can beat Baylor. They can there two seed. They can beat three seed Michigan. Yes. Um, so let's. I mean, I, I don't know how much time you want to spend on the Jacks women while we're on the women, but man, I mean they. Didn't just beat Minnesota. They yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to poo-poo what they're doing because I know AJ thinks it's a big deal. And you know, when USD won the WNIT a few years ago, that was pretty cool. It was a little different because USD hadn't really done anything in the NCAA tournament yet at that right. point, so it felt more meaningful. I think for SDSU, this would be nice if they were to make a run and win it, but it wouldn't be nearly as big a deal as it was when USD had because they wanted to be, you know, they they were in the Sweet 16 a couple years ago, but. You know, Paige Myers hurt. It's been a season with a lot. Understandably, how often do you get a Big Ten team to come to Frost Arena? NIT is almost the only time you'll ever get something like that to happen. So great for them. I'll be at the game again on Thursday when they play uh, Drake at Frost. I would expect them to win that game. Maybe they'll win this tournament. That's great for them. It's a nice consolation. But let's, you know, maintain our perspective here. What the other teams are doing is a bigger deal. Yeah. There we go. Now, now we're now we're at full blast again. I'll just move on. Uh, yeah, she looked very frustrated. We watched a little bit of the game while we were here at the Gateway on Sunday. We came mm-hmm. by for some NCAA tournament, and, and the Jacks were on, and we thought about staying for the USD game, and we did for like the first half or so. Um, and by the way, it was packed. We were it was kind of dead on a Wednesday Sunday afternoon, which you would understand because. Uh, it had been St. Patrick's Day, first day of March uh-huh. Madness, second day of March Madness, Saturday. So Sunday was a little lighter, but they were starting to pack them in here for the USD game by 5 o'clock. Uh, but, yeah, I just, like, wow, Lindsay. I mean, Waylon looked frustrated, but she kind of looked like she didn't want to be there either. Right. But maybe that's who she is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then, and then of course, you see this on Twitter every time the Jacks play Minnesota or there's something regarding a, the Minnesota women's coaching opening, and you remind SDSU fans every time because AJ's from Minnesota, everybody thinks, and maybe it is, his dream job to coach the Gophers, and Waylon's probably on the hot seat after losing to SDSU. I don't think she's going to get fired because supposedly she's bringing in some great recruiting class that's going to save her tenure. But why? explain why, again, Aaron Johnston will probably, probably never be the coach in well, Minnesota. Men's coaches aren't real in high demand in the women's game these days. Most yeah. schools are trying to hire women. Um, not saying it can't happen, but also, and I, the last time the job opened, I know at that time Minnesota had a male volleyball coach i believe they had a male women's hockey coach so that just made it even more unlikely like if their whole like 
that matters in certain places, you know. Like and they Minnesota is very much a place that matters. Yeah, so They're very big on Title Nine and yeah, all that. Yeah, so and, and I don't think Lindsay's in any danger of losing her job. She's a legend there. Yeah. If if the if the program had completely gone tits up since she'd been there, that'd be one thing. But you know, they're kind of treading water. They're going to give her a long, long leash. She's not going anywhere. Yeah. All right. So there we go. And who do the Jacks win play next? Drake. Okay. Yeah, at, at home at, on Thursday, I'm right. sure they'll win that, and yeah. we'll see how much longer they they make the run. Do you know how? What, do you know what's the furthest they've gone in the WNIT? That's a fun trivia mm, question more than anything. Maybe either this round or a round farther. I don't think they've ever made it to the championship. That, that's what I was doing while I was blowing out our circuit for a minute. Uh, semifinals, it looks yeah. like they've only played in it. Uh, they played in it three times. They made the quarters the very first time they made it, and uh, they made the semifinals the last time they were there. Oh no! Uh, anyway, semifinals is the furthest they've gotten. Yeah. Yeah, I know nobody cares. We could. <laughs> uh, so, your takeaway from the SDSU men and Providence, uh, who Uh-oh. shocked the world, according to their yeah, coach, Ed yeah. Cooley, who gave the old nobody's given us a chance line the day before the well, game. Well, I, I, I kind of made fun of Ed Cooley that week because I thought he was way overdoing it, but I don't blame him. I would have probably taken the same sort of stance. And also, just um, the way the rest of the national media, like the second um, – you know, Joe Lenardi had him in the Sweet 16. Jay Billis was talking about him being a Cinderella or a sleeper. And everyone, uh, you know, I saw one headline that said, easiest upset pick in the bracket, SDSU mm-hmm. over Providence. Like, as soon as I saw that shit, I was like, they're not going to win. Like, this is just not going to happen. And I didn't say that publicly just because I didn't want to piss anybody off and, you know, shit in people's cornflakes right before the tournament. But I didn't think they had much of a chance. I did not like their chances to win at all, largely for that reason. Not because I don't think the Jacks aren't good enough to beat Providence, although I will point out they're the 11th-ranked team in the country. I mean, it's it's difficult for a mid-major team to beat an average Power 5 team, you know, a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, a middle-of-the-pack Big East team. Yeah. Talking about the Big East champs who are ranked 11th in the country, that's pretty fucking hard to do. And then you throw in the fact that all of a sudden the entire nation is picking SDSU to win. It just Because the one thing we've talked about, and, and Hendo admitted this to me later, like if you're going to win a game like that, you have to have at least some – semblance of flying under the radar some semblance of David versus Goliath you know you have to be the Goliath at least a little bit doesn't mean the other team is going to completely you know dismiss you or not take you seriously or whatever but you have to a little a little bit you know no one was picking Oral Roberts to go to Sweet 16 last year nobody picked St. Peter's to be Kentucky this year everyone was picking the Jacks to be Providence then you take an in addition to just that that side of it from you know motivation and preparation and all that you look at Providence's roster it's seven seniors and I think four of them were grad seniors that means they're all the more unlikely to have a, a letdown a slip up because they're a veteran team they're a mature team and experience you know we make fun of those those cliches but they matter you know how many how many Power Five teams? How many teams ranked in the top ten in the country have seven seniors? You know, have five guys on the team that are 22, 23 years old. You know, those guys are going to play better. They're going to play smarter. They're not going to, um, you know, come out and just oh, who's South Dakota State? Whatever. You know, this is not going to happen. Right. And so, I mean, I, I thought Hendo gave a very good answer when I asked him about it in the press conference. He said, "I don't think it hurt us," but he said, "I definitely think it helped Providence." Yeah, that makes sense. And. Uh yeah, the, the guard, you got to have good guard play. That's always another one of the cliches. Yeah. But, it, but it goes back to uh, – The Jacks had the best guard play in that game. Baylor Shireman was the best mm, player on the floor. The uh, That goes back to conference tournaments as well. I mean, partly why I put I picked SDSU in both of my brackets because it's more it's more fun to pick the team right. you're rooting for anyway. Right. Uh, and it's not like it was a big gamble, and I'm pretty sure I, I had the Jacks getting knocked out in the second round. 
but it was also well you know I'm kind of a quasi Creighton fan not as big as I was growing up but I was I you know I took notice of Creighton beating the piss out of Providence in right. the Big East semifinals yeah, smoked them and again that's just another that's just another case of the, the you could put a little weight on these conference tournaments sometimes those teams that go on those runs are dangerous they just keep on flying they're run, they're running on a high mm-hmm. but not not in that case that had you know, that, that didn't affect Providence whatsoever and even like Iowa won the Big Ten tournament they were looking like the you know like the like world beaters mm-hmm. and they, they came crashing that, against yeah. Richmond yeah. it's so hard to predict that's why everybody's brackets gets yeah. busted so easily um, and it's um, but another thing we didn't talk about is I think SDSU shouldn't have been a 13. You know they were 30 and four in a 21 game winning streak. Had a win over a power five team. They beat Washington State. They almost beat Washington. Were competitive against Alabama. I mean they didn't have a great non conference schedule, but they were like ranked 27th in the top 25 poll. They're right outside the top 25. I think their net ranking had creeped up into the 60s or something like that. I mean, I thought they deserved better than a 13. I thought 12 at the worst. thought they might even get an 11 for the first time. And the thing that sucks for them is now, because they lost again, the next time they're in the tournament, the, term, the committee's going to go, these, t- these guys never win, so why would we reward them with a nice seed? Well, maybe the reason they never win is because you keep underseeding them. Mm. You know, you, you made them play a, a Big East Conference Championship team that had seven seniors and was a four seed and ranked 11th in the country. Like, I felt like they deserved better than that. Who did they play the year they were 16 seed? Was that the year they played Gonzaga, Maryland? Gonzaga. Oh, it was Gonzaga, okay. And they gave yeah. them a fight, right? No, was, not really. Okay, okay. That was the one game in their NCAA tournament appearances where they were never okay i mean they were i think they were down eight at halftime okay. but i mean you know yeah uh, there was a lot of thought that oh they have mike dom maybe this will be the first 16 to beat a one and that zags team had like two or three nba guys they were humongous they just you know they they were able to clamp down on dom and then that was that so confession i was i was calling boys state basketball tournament games in sioux falls while the jacks were playing what uh, what happened? I mean, I understand the seven seniors, and they were a bigger you know, team. And but um, what happened? Well, Jax came out rolling. I mean, Baylor to Doug, couple alley oops early on. That the whole you could tell. I mean, Baylor Shireman, you know, he has said that Pistol Pete is his favorite player, which is weird because he was dead before Baylor yeah. was born. But it makes a lot of he, sense. But he has a it lot of Pistol Pete yes. in his game, and uh, he's thrown up those at like you could tell. I, I didn't ask Baylor this, but it sure looked to me like him and Doug and maybe some of the other guys on the team had said, hey, let's go out and put on a show. Let's not just go out there and try to win. Like, let's play with some swag. And they did. He throws, throws up a couple alley-oops to Doug, and he's throwing them down. Oh, thank you, Jackson. Good Lord. And, uh, okay. And then We're they here. Had, right after he threw up this big uh, alley-oop dunk to Wilson, which was just perfectly executed, brought the whole crowd to their feet. It was a holy shit moment. Um, right after he did that, they have a fast break, and it's two-on-one, Baylor and Doug. He goes behind the back pass to Doug. He didn't have to do it. Like, he just did it to show off, and he hit him in full stride, and Doug laid it in. And that was another – everyone's looking around like, Jesus, this is showtime at the freaking NCAA tournament. But they are only ahead 17-15 to 15 at that moment. And the cool thing was – or I don't know if I'd say cool thing. It was fun for the fans. First eight minutes of the game, no stoppages. It was just oh, constant. Heaven. Well, except all of a sudden you look and Doug Wilson and Baylor Shireman can't walk. <laughs> like, I mean, they are huffing and puffing and dying for a timeout. But I can understand, like, it's like, well, God, we're rolling. We got momentum here. You don't want to call a timeout and, you know, give Providence a chance to, you know, regroup, whatever. Finally, they, I don't know if Hendo called a timeout or if there was a media timeout, but they basically had back-to-back timeouts. Mm. So there was, like, a, almost a 10-minute delay. And the game changed right there. I wow. mean, Providence immediately started reasserting themselves. They started figuring some things out on defense. 
And then there was just this six or seven minute stretch right after those two timeouts where I think Providence outscored the Jacks like 10 to 2 or 12 to 2 or something. And Hendo said multiple times that was what won the game because it ended up being an eight point lead at halftime. And the Jacks got it down to three with a minute left, but that was as close as they got. And the nation's leader in scoring. 30 points below their average or right. so. Yeah. Uh, so is it just bigger guys? SDSU started missing their shots. I mean, in the uh, second half, Providence did a good job of slowing the pace, limiting okay. possessions. I mean, it's not like the Jacks shot 20%. I think they shot 39%. Okay. Most nights when they shoot 39%, they'd still score 70 points. You mm-hmm. know, But on this night, you know, didn't get to the line a lot, didn't make a ton of threes, like it's not a lot of possessions. Um, they competed on the boards pretty well, I thought, but had especially in the first half during that run where Providence took over a few too many turnovers and some of them were kind of the sloppy variety. Um, you know, Luke Apple was hurt. It was almost a non-factor, and that's big. I mean, he had a 40-point game against Oral Roberts. He's their second-best post player. Um, and they could use his size against a big team. Yeah, he played maybe two or three minutes and was pretty ineffective. Uh, Matt Mims had a tough game coming off the bench, didn't make any shots, had a couple two turnovers. They just, they just didn't play well enough, you know? They were close. They were right there, but they just weren't good enough. Were they devastated? I think so. Um what was post game? Like? I mean, well, I mean, the second the horn blew, Doug Wilson went into full like ugly crying mode. Like I felt really sorry for him. I, I'm not like trying to make fun of him or anything, but like you see guys in tears after their final game. But like the fact that Doug like sort of bursted into tears in an instant was like holy cow! Like you could see just he just was overwhelmed by that sudden realization. Like this is it. It's over. Yeah. You know. And that, it was hard not to feel for him in that sure. moment. Which is um, also awesome because not that anyone would doubt how much he really loved right, playing for SDSU. Right, right. I think that was apparent when they had his senior day and mm-hmm. brought his kid out there for the starting mm-hmm. lineups and then how genuinely crazy he, he was excited just to play in the Summit League tournament mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. first time at the Denny. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the rest of the players – I asked Baylor after the game in the press conference, you know, like – how do you sort of balance the disappointment of this moment with an appreciation for this season and what you guys did and what you accomplished? And he was like, I hear what you're saying, but he's like, right now it's, I think he said the disappointment is definitely at the forefront right now. I, you know, I didn't think they were you know, suicidal over it or anything like that, yeah. but it hurt, you know, sure. they, they knew they were good enough to make a run. Yeah. And when you see that Providence, it, killed Richmond in the next round, yeah. it tells you two things. Like, oh, one, maybe Providence is really good and the Jacks got hosed by having to play him in the first round. But two, if the Jacks had somehow found a way to win that game, they probably would have beat Richmond and they'd be in the Sweet 16 well, right now. probably have a better shot of beating Richmond than Iowa. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I mean, a lot of people had the Jacks probably would have beat them. Yep. Yeah. It's too bad. A, a, a great line I saw is uh, from somebody who's coached, you know, Division One athletics in an NCAA tournament over the weekend was – Losing in the NCAA tournament is like uh, being on a train and then all of a sudden being being told when you least expect it to, to get off the train. Right. Like it's just this it's just this wild, awesome train ride, and then you get off at a stop way earlier than you thought you were going to yeah. be on. You're not at home when they kick and, you off. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, you know, I mean, because these teams, I'm sure, like the Baylor women, I'm sure they thought just be it's their birthright to go to the Final Four, mm-hmm. and they get beat at home by USD. Iowa women. By Creighton. Oh, that was so good. Um, so Todd Lee. Oh well. Well, okay. Do you want to move on, to Todd Lee, or do you want to kind of um, kind of paraphrase uh, the article you wrote today about SDSU going forward? Because some are probably wondering. Obviously, Noah Friedel enters the transfer portal. We knew that would happen. But Baylor Shireman. Um, I'm sure some Jacks fans were worried 
that he would enter the transfer portal. Uh, what's his What's his future looking Baylor, like? Baylor, is that what you said? Yep, Baylor Shireman. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's a really good chance he declares for the NBA draft. Um, and I don't think Jack's fans should panic about that. Um, I think if Baylor were – because I'm sure people know in case they don't, you can declare for the NBA draft, gather some information, go to some – I don't know if they're camps or I don't know what, how I would describe it necessarily, but you can go get some information, and if the information doesn't, you know, tell you, yeah, you're going to be an early draft pick, then you can come back to school. Mike Dom did the same thing after his junior year. He declared for the draft. We all kind of knew he was going to be back because there were no indications he was going to be a first-round pick. And if you're a second-round pick, there's really no reason to come out early. Yep. Mike went and got some information. He's, I remember talking to him after he got back. He said it was really useful. They told me this is what we what we like about you. This is what we don't like about you. These are the things you need to change. He came back to school, had a great senior year. Still didn't end up going to the NBA, but you know it didn't hurt him to make that decision. Um, Baylor is officially a sophomore because of COVID. He's played three years, but because of the bonus year, he has two years of eligibility left. Um, if he only had one year, I'd be a little more nervous as a Jacks fan. I think um, he's going to enter this NBA draft. Uh, I think he's going to go find out, you know, and I think he's going to get a lot of good feedback. I mean, he's had a, a better, I'm not saying he's a better player than Mike Dom, but Mike was undersized. You know, he was a 4 or 5 who was 6'9, wasn't terribly athletic. You know, Baylor's a 6'6 six, six guard who can do just about everything. Uh, I think he's got an NBA future. I'm not saying he's going to be a first-round pick. I'm not saying he's going to have a long NBA career. But, you know, I think teams are really going to like him. I mean, the whole country was buzzing about him on Thursday. So he's going to go there, and unless they tell him he's a first-round pick, which I just don't see in the cards, he's going to come back to SDSU, play another year. Then he will have played four years at SDSU and still have another year of eligibility. He might try the NBA draft again, but I also wouldn't be surprised at that point if he says, okay, I gave four years to SDSU, now maybe I'll enter the portal and, and see what's out there. And, and if he did that, if he does that, yeah. I, I don't think Jack Sims would have any right to hold that against him. In Matt Mooney part too. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm not telling anyone that's you know what's going to happen. That's just kind of my own speculation. Sure. I think he's going to be back next year. Educated speculation, I'm sure. And the, the, just what, what you're saying about the NBA scouts, I couldn't help but going back to what you said earlier, Maybe there's a 60 or 70 year old scout out there that will tell Baylor Shireman, "Hey, you know who you remind me of? Pistol Pete. <laughs> Go watch it sometime, kids. Although most people that listen to the podcast probably are old enough to remember. And I, he was he was before I was born, but I was I'm old enough to where the you know I was learning about him in the 80s and like that was an extraterrestrial terrestrial uh-huh. type of shooter and player. Uh, all right, so Todd Lee gets fired and at first I was surprised and many people were shocked and then I wasn't and there's only so much we're going to say about this here this right. is the best way I've had some time to formulate these words although I never wrote them down if I think in most circumstances it is safe for me to say that if there was if this was all about winning losing the quality of work he has done, Summit League Coach of the Year last year, maybe did his best coaching job this year without two of his best players, including uh, A.J. Plitzewhite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they beat Kansas City in that uh, first round of the Summit League game, Summit League tournament, all that. It's like, yes, of course he's retaining his job. What, he's, he's, he's coached well enough, and there's a bright enough future immediately ahead to say things are looking good with Todd Lee and you know the Yotes fans that I talked to they were fine with him mm-hmm. uh, so there must be something else that we don't know about or the public doesn't know about that uh, that was going on behind the scenes potentially way before 
all this happened uh, at the end of the season uh, that um, that was the reason why Todd Lee kind of goes quietly into the night. That's about all I can say about that. If you if you I'm I'm sure some U.S. defense actually were like, well, wow, that shows how high a standards we have right now. Uh, I mean, I do uh, think there are basketball reasons. Um, you you can say fair. that you can say that yeah, he did such a great job coaching because look how look what he did with the talent that he had. Yeah, but he's the one assembling the talent. Yeah. Um, now, now to be fair, you know, you mentioned Stanley Mude leaves. That's not his fault. AJ Plitzwhite gets hurt. That's not his fault. Uh, you know, some of their top players, Cruz, Parrot, Hunt, some of the other guys. That he, Todd brought those guys in. Those are good players. Yeah. And you look at the mass exodus that's happening in the transfer portal now. The whole roster has basically entered the portal. That tells me that they liked him. I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm reading, misreading into it. I don't know. But if they're all saying yeah. like, "Oh, hey, hey, our guy is gone. We're out of here." Yeah. I don't know. Um, as far as the off-court stuff, we've all heard a bunch of rumors, and, and you know I've heard some that are more credible than others just based on the source. What I can say on the record is the president didn't like him. The president wanted him gone, and that's why he's gone. Yeah, there you go. And there's got to be good – I mean, there's got to be some decent reasons for a president. He was – you know, he, he wasn't – you know, he wasn't he wasn't Bobby Knight, and he wasn't Coach K. He wasn't even Craig Smith when it comes to his popularity there. Um, and and it'd be interesting. Let me ask you this: Do you feel having as, as strong a confidence in that last remark you just made? Let's just say the Oats won the Summit League tournament and go to the NCAA tournament, knocked off SDSU. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a pathetic hypothetical considering how badly yesterday say it happened and like it's like he's indestructible when it comes to wins, if he had losses. got to the NCAA tournament he would have kept his job interesting yeah. okay but yeah you uh, so he basically had to be almost perfect to keep his job and so he's not there but the hire that they made uh you made an interesting list if we would have done a podcast last week we would have had fun with the list but the hire they made made sense why because Eric Peterson a comes from a division one program and a major conference division one program this is where these hires are going these days it's what SDSU's been doing uh and I mean that's what they did with TJ and then they just kept one of TJ's assistants who had also been at Iowa State and uh so here we are with a guy who not only you know was is comes from Division one assistant staffs, but of course was on Craig Smith's staff. He's the perfect years. hire. Yeah, I mean, you talk about. I know every every press conference, the athletic directors say he checks every box. In fact, I he's think, our first choice. I think David Herbster used that exact phrase when they hired Todd Lee. Yeah. Um, I don't think Todd Lee did check every box. I do. No. Th- I think Eric Peterson does, yeah. um, because you mentioned major college assistant. He's coming from the Pac-12. You know, that's a big deal. A P5 assistant, that's what everybody wants. A young, fresh-faced guy from a Power 5 staff. So you check that box. But also, he has coached at USD. He recruited Stanley Amude. He recruited some of USD's other best players. He was with Craig when they were here. And I think everyone can admit at this point, and this isn't shitting on Todd, but the Craig Smith era was the best stretch of Division One basketball that we've had at USD. Of course. And so I don't blame them one bit for saying, hey, let's get back to that. Yeah. Let's get back to being, you know, somewhat in the in the mold of the Craig Smith program. Because Craig Smith has done well for himself since he left, obviously. Went to Utah State, had success, now he's at yeah. Utah. I don't know how good Utah was this year, but he's in the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, so I, I just – it's a it's a no brainer to mm-hmm. me that that Peterson was the guy. The only reason I didn't say it, when I mean I knew he was probably the most sensible candidate when I made that list. Other than you know Saul Phillips, I think made a lot of sense for a variety of reasons. Absolutely. Um, but the the only reason I didn't say for sure that Peterson was like this is going to be the guy is because I don't know if he'd want it. 
you know, he's got a good gig being yeah. the assistant at Utah. So that's the question. Like, do, all the, do these guys want to come back to Vermillion? But once it became apparent that Peterson was interested, then, yeah, I mean, it was a slam dunk. Yeah, he well, he saw enough of whatever he liked about Vermillion and coaching there. I think, frankly, one of the first things that comes to mind, the new facility helps. I know they can't fill the place except for when SDSU plays there. Mm-hmm. But not, not just the arena, but the whole facility, that, that's a big-time feeling place where you feel like you can recruit to. Mm-hmm. But I remember I ran into Craig when I had just moved back here, and he had been the USD coach for – a year or two, and again, I knew Craig. He was on my show a lot in Lincoln because we could, never could have Tim Miles because yeah. we weren't allowed to. Uh, and and so Craig was always Tim Miles Jr. and he was a wonderful guest and guy. And I ran into him at a high school game, and uh, you know, one of the things he said was, um, you know, I mean, I'm coaching in one of in like the smallest Division One uh, town um, out of yeah. like 353. Yeah. Uh, that's you know, it's not the easiest recruiting thing, but it's yeah. basketball. You get a couple good ones like Matt Mooney, and uh, mm-hmm. you're you know, you can put on a show. Um, and I think that four years is not long enough of a, like a stat. I don't know, like a grandfather clause or whatever you want to call it, to where like the formula can work. I saw a sarca- what I would appear to be a sarcastic tweet, like, "Oh, we're gonna run it back to 2018." Well, yeah. I mean, that wasn't that long ago, and I think mm-hmm. whatever applied, uh, Eric uh, Eric Peterson saw Craig Smith do it, and it can mm-hmm. still apply. It can still work. It, it can, still makes but, sense. But it's a tough job. It is. It is. I mean, yes. USD fans get mad when we say that, but it is. Mm-hmm. You alluded to the town being small and everything, but the thing that struck yeah. me during the Summit League tournament was when the Jacks played the Yotes in the semifinals, it was not 50-50. It yeah. was like 80-20 maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's embarrassing for USD, and yeah. I, I don't care – that that just is, mm-hmm. and the thing that we were talking about on the press press on press row during that game, all the media, not just the Jackrabbit media, we were all talking about like, how do you recruit? If you're USD, do you even bring a recruit to the Summit League tournament? Mm. Do you want them to see this? I, well, you're, you're playing your top <laughs> rival in a game when you're not playing SDSU. Yeah, but that's just it. Like <laughs> like the Jacks, like, like that's what they do. Like Summit League tournament, they bring all their guys and go, yeah. look, this is what we're bringing you in to do. Isn't this awesome? Frost South, yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah, and if you're USD, you're like, hey. uh, Come here, and when we play our rivals, it's going to feel like a road game in a neutral site in the conference tournament. Well, I mean, you got to win that game because then you will hear the Yotes fans will make it loud. But yeah, not the same. It, yeah. You know, that was that was eye opening to me. Not that I, you know, it hadn't been like that before, but just wow, how many years later it's still they like this? They haven't gained much ground. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, I think I think we're going to expect. I don't know what to expect out of him, especially initially because he lost his whole team. He's going <laughs> to he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be busy thought, on the recruiting I thought trail. Endo was going to have to go through a complete rebuild, and that they were going to be a you know ten and twenty team in his first year. Yeah. And he went out and got a whole new roster and won twenty games, won the conference. Yeah. So won't put it past him. But having, also, if they have to completely rebuild and take a while, that wouldn't surprise me. And either. having said that, thirty wins for a Hendo NCAA tournament. You wonder how hotter of a name he would be had they beaten Providence, like a lot of people right. thought. But as I've mentioned before I, th- I thought Craig Smith would have to at least make the tournament to get a to get a mm. better job than he did his tenure at Nebraska probably was the bigger I, resume thing I don't than know what he did at USD but uh but anyway I mean TJ uh, didn't win a game at SDSU and he's at Iowa State that's now. right uh and yeah he got the uh, yeah the UNLV job so what's uh, so I'm sure some were wondering about Hendo do you have any feelings uh or I think or he's in for another year at least we'll see yeah. if they'd have won won that game or certainly if they'd made the sweet 16 then i'd be a lot more nervous about jackson yeah yeah okay uh matthew moores leaves the badgers um it, it i you know it's a it's a it's a fun topic i and we're going to talk about it it just it makes me a little upset because i want to spend at least five minutes on the badgers losing i <laughs> you and me both 
We love it. Do, do you mind? Do you... I don't know anything about the Badgers, just that I hate their style of play, and I've never liked watching them play. It's... And that it was against TJ Otzelberger, who I don't care what any Jacks fans say. I'm a big TJ fan. Sure. It really enjoyed getting to know him when he was here. I think he's a good dude, great coach. He goes to Iowa State, takes over a team that's 2-22 and 22 yep. Yep. and 0-19 in the Big 12. Yeah. And in his first year, 20-plus wins, Sweet 16. That's an awesome story. I'm happy for him. Yeah. That's cool. He's doing something right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I could go on for be, my my happiness with Wisconsin losing to any. It doesn't matter who it would have been to. It's TJ even better. He gave them a little taste of their of their own medicine, yeah, uglying yeah. it up, slowing yep, down the game, yep, yep. and uh, it was rough to watch. Unless you hate Wisconsin as much as I do, and <laughs> we don't need to go into that. I, yeah, partly it's because I am a Nebraska fan, and Wisconsin beats Nebraska at football and basketball all the fucking time, and it pisses me <laughs> off because I think Nebraska should and could be as good at, at basketball and football. No reason not to. Uh, they, they've got systems. They've got, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, sustainability, whatever, um, continuity, and they, yeah. they just keep doing it. But with the exception of the Wisconsin teams that went to the Final Four uh, with uh, Frank What's-His-Name and yeah. uh, Jimmy Jackson's kid, like, they actually could score. Like, they were actually 75, 80 points a game, and they, and they beat fucking Kentucky when Kentucky was supposed to win the national title. Other than that, Wisconsin's been this – Grind it out. Do, 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 do you mind call? Do you mind saying what you like to call them? I don't even remember. The hustle and whiteies. <laughs> Did I ever say that? That was years ago. Oh, okay, I mean, uh, it's not wrong. <laughs> it's not, I don't remember saying that, but I'm not going to deny yeah, it. Either. I mean, yeah, forget the skin tone. It's just like it's a. It's just not. It's 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 an effective way to win when you are somebody like Wisconsin. You're usually not going to be as athletic as other teams, uh -huh. but uh -huh. God, it is boring to watch and it's frustrating to get beat by. But anyway, I wanted to go back to what, uh, a remark you just said about TJ. Are some do some Jacks fans still not, what do they have against TJ? Well, just because he left, it came up on Twitter last week when Todd Lee's search was still going on, and so I was like, "I'm not mad at him for leaving. I'm mad at him for how he left." And I'm like, "He left the exact same way Scott Nagy did. It Jeff Goodman broke the story, how and next he thing left. you knew, he was gone." without so much as a goodbye. You know, Scott Nagy didn't return any of my phone calls after he left. Didn't even – maybe he sent out a tweet saying, thank you, South Dakota State, but I don't think he did. He just took off in the middle of the night, which is fine. He doesn't owe anybody anything. TJ did essentially the same thing. And then be like, oh, well, he took David Jenkins with him and he took Caleb Grill or whatever. Like, you think Scott Nagy wouldn't have taken Mike Dom with him if, he, if Dom wanted to go to fucking Wright State? He didn't want to go to Wright State because who would want to go to Wright State? <laughs> the only reason Scott went there is because they paid him so much money. Yeah. It's a downgrade of a job. Yeah, kids like, in the Ohio area. I mean, it's working. He's winning there. And, but, and he's yeah. getting paid more than he did at yeah, South Dakota right. State. But from more. a stature standpoint, right. that's a lower job than yeah. SDSU. Yeah. So that's the thing. I just I don't understand what Jags fans think is the the norm. You know that well Scott didn't do us dirty like that. He would have he would have happily taken Mike Dom with him. Um, Mike just didn't want to go, and who would do us dirty? So I you know and I, there there were a, there was a a small sect of people who never liked TJ from the get go. Mostly it was people who wanted Ryan Miller to get the job, kind of a Mitchell contingent thing, and whatever. That's fine. TJ's a good dude. You know, I, I I never had any, you know, and it's not just about me, obviously, who cares what the reporter thinks. But, I mean, like, I thought he seemed like a great guy in the community. You yeah. know, he went out and engaged the students and did that, like, coffee with TJ thing where he'd go yeah. on campus and buy kids coffee and talk about the team and was active on social media and was, you know, I, th I thought he was a player's coach and how he handled everything. And 
and, and I, the other thing I liked about him is he made mistakes as a coach and he owned them. You know, like remember, remember his first year where he was doing the zone defense and everyone was pissed off. They were the, like, they were the worst defense in yeah, the league. They were in last place yeah. in the league at two and six. Yeah, and he, you know he tried he what he was it. doing and and it, you know yeah. eventually got away from it. Um, he talked about how uh, he didn't play Tevin King right away. He didn't like Tevin King. He's like, I don't think he's a good player. And eventually he had to play him, and Tevin blossomed into their starting point guard and a great player. And TJ said later, I was wrong about that guy. You know, I did it. Uh, you know, I, I made a bad decision. I didn't appreciate that guy for who he was. And he ended up being, you know, one of the key players down the stretch in TJ's last two years as a coach. So, you know, whatever no. their problem is with him, fine, whatever. I mean, he, you know, he was terrific to me. He was on our show every week. So was Craig Smith. So was Todd Lee. So was Hendo. But, uh, so Scott, he just but, wasn't but, as but sunny I mean, and shiny as everyone else. Yeah, but, but but of all those guys, you know, TJ was the one that just personally would occasionally just send a text and be really nice and sweet about things. And I texted um, him yesterday. He said, hey, congrats on the win. He texted me right back. Thanks a lot, man. That's Appreciate awesome. it. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it kind of does feel like how many thousands of right. of those do you think he got? And, right. and yeah, I, I remember, and I tweeted this the other day when they beat Wisconsin. It's like, remember when he was 2-6, and six, he was the new coach, he replaced – the legend, Scott Nagy. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he had was, Mike Dom on the roster, was, so it's he, not like he didn't yeah, have any talent. He was this outsider. They were coming off an NCAA tournament bid, and they were 2-6, and six, had a terrible defense, and everybody hated him. And, I rem and, uh, and, and what I mean, I, I think most people remember this. They won, like, eight of their last nine games, then won the uh, mm -hmm. Summit League tournament, beating Craig Smith and his best team, the number one seed. Michael Orris. Yep. Shot. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, but then still had to win the championship game. Yeah, yeah. right. And yeah. then he uh, goes to UNLV. And then I remember, again, don't need to get into it, I, I, there's a sports radio show in the morning in Des Moines I really enjoy. It's really fucking funny and fun. And when they do talk sports, they're good at it. And when T.J. Otsberger was hired, guess what? They were not most – I mean, they got it. They knew who he was. They knew he had coached at Iowa State before. But they were not they – were, they were unimpressed with what he had done at UNLV. And they were – they just were – nobody was doing cartwheels that T.J. Otsberger was hired. Uh -huh. And um, – you know, did all I, right. I'd love to. I'd love. To, I'd love to hear the shows from the last couple mornings. So, uh, a toast to TJ, my Lagunitas, your Bud Light here at the Gateway <laughs> Lounge. Uh, what, what, what a Matthew Moore's. All right. Uh, both Jackson said, said he wants to go home. Yeah. Uh, he said that on the record. He, you know, apparently to uh, someone in Wisconsin and and Jeremy Hoyk down in Yankton actually talked to Matthew last night, and he didn't give him a lot of inside info, at least not on the record, I guess. But he said, yeah, I want to come home. Wisconsin was not the right fit for me, which makes me happy to hear that someone found Wisconsin wasn't the right fit for him. <laughs> but Because uh, I kind of feel the same way you do. But um, no, I, I love Wisconsin. How does that not sound like he's either coming to USD or SDSU? Yeah. You know, I've heard people float Creighton or Iowa State, but those are just as far away as Madison. What about Nebraska? Um, Sam Griesel's going to Nebraska. Yeah, I mean – yeah, there's a joke in there about Sam Griesel downgrading from yeah from his team, but yeah, uh, well, I, I can't mean, argue. I guess Omaha is technically a little closer than than Madison, so Creighton would be a little closer to home. Um, but I, I, I interpret that as that he's either coming to SDSU or USD. Yeah, I know for a fact SDSU's in on him. They're interested. They're going to push for him. Um, I've been told there are some personal connections to Matthew at SDSU that might push him in that direction deeply personal um but you know he's from yankton that's right next to usd yes, it is. and i'm sure you, i mean i think when he was coming out of high school and it was you know he was a top 
fifty recruit or whatever, four star, and he's getting all these power five offers. I mean, I think Todd Lee probably knew better at that time than to even really entertain the idea of of landing him. But I know they had a relationship because why wouldn't? That's of why course. you. That's why you develop those kind of relationships. Like yeah. people have asked me sometimes, like, come on down, here's some free tickets. Come, yeah, yeah. C- come join the team in the locker room. Yeah, people why have not? asked me sometimes, like, you know, why do why would the Jacks even bother recruiting a Randolph Kapai? You know, why why would USD even bother recruiting a Matthew Morris? Because he might. Yeah, we know he's going Power Five, but what if it doesn't work out? And he decides he needs somewhere else to go. You have that relationship built in. You know, Travis Traphagen's a great example of that. USF's women's coach. He always goes after all the top players in women's basketball around here. And people are always like, they're gonna, they're not going to go to USF. They're going to go to the state or, or you. And, and Trap's always told, like, yeah, but if it doesn't work out, I can be the guy to say, remember, I was in on you back then. You remember me. We had yeah, a relationship. And Trap has had a lot of good transfers yeah. come back down yeah. from Division One and yeah. go through USF. So – yeah, obviously Todd's not there anymore. I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean Matthew was playing varsity basketball and he's in like, what seventh, eighth grade. So Eric Peterson might have a relationship with him. They might have crossed paths at some point. So I wouldn't rule out USD. I could see the allure would be greater to go to SDSU for obvious reasons: mm-hmm. the success and the crowds at Frost Arena. And I'm guessing the crowds might get even bigger and better with the renovation coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. but uh, that's well, we obvious. Just said what the summer league tournament atmosphere was. But the yeah. chance to kind of because re- USD is kind of having to remake itself now. Even though it never hit, it didn't hit rock bottom or anything, it's just Todd Lee gets fired and then he loses a bunch of players. And but uh, it's not like the cupboard's bare. AJ Plitzwhite's going to be coming back. True. Mason Archambault has not entered the transfer portal. He's basically the only good player on their team that hasn't so far. Mm. And they just landed Paul Bruns, the Summit League freshman of the year who left UND. He just announced okay. today he's committed to USD. You get Matthew Moores in there. Also, you get David Jenkins, maybe, who we haven't what? mentioned. What? Yeah, he just entered the portal again. <laughs> he just got done playing with Eric Peterson at Utah. Okay. He was with. Oh. He transferred from UNLV to Utah to play for Craig Smith. That, that'd be and, awesome. And Eric Peterson. God. He just entered the portal. Where else is he going to go? I mean, David Jenkins is going to be in his fourth college yeah. in five years. I don't care. I love watching him play. That and, would be and, awesome. And I don't maybe Eric Peterson doesn't want him, but he just coached him. Yeah. You know. I want him. <laughs> I want to see that. But I'm just saying, think about it. Yeah. David Jenkins, yeah. Paul Bruns, A.J. Plitzewhite, Mason Archambault, Matthew Morris. Yeah. Holy shit. Well. That's a good team. Not only that, but you have a chance to – I've always thought if I were in these kids' shoes, which I'm not even close – I've I've always thought like I'd be the type that would want to go build if it's build a ball to to build something, something and create yourself. something yeah. new. It's it's great to ride the jackrabbit wave. No one would give no one would fault him for it at all. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, again, it's not like USD hasn't had some success, but they still haven't been to the big dance. Haven't won the Summit League. You could be the one to take them. And let me ask you, uh, you'd know this better than me. What kind of tickets do you think Matthew Morris could sell there? Do you think that he could get? Do you think he alone could get some? Butts I mean, in the they're seats not going to start averaging 5,000 fans a game. But, yeah, that would be a big deal. I mean, he's local. He's from yeah. Yankton. Yeah. Yeah, that would be huge. Yeah. That would be right. huge. Uh, we're, at, we're, at, we're out of time. I, Correa to the Twins. What was your reaction? We're not out of time. I don't have to leave for another half oh, okay. hour. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we're reaching <laughs> that. That's why we one, came early, remember? We're reaching that one-hour threshold <laughs> of the podcast. And, thankfully, I have – I just started my full-time Canaries gig today, and uh, I've got fairly um, – Cool bosses, so whatever. I'm about to drink my third Lagunitas IPA. You shouldn't say that on the air. They don't care. I drink there. No, they're just not going to listen. Nobody's listening. (laughs) No, they're not going to. No. So, um, I mean, we so yeah. Let's head to let's head to Korea. I mean, that was apparently just a bomb that dropped overnight, and and that everybody woke up to. I mean, it it, for one, we should point out. I don't know if people who 
if you don't pay close enough attention to baseball to realize it, you see the headline, Twins sign Carlos Correa to a three-year contract. It's a one-year contract. Thank you. Yes. Um, yes. He, yes. And, uh, that I know. And I, I try to think of it that way. Like, it almost is kind of like a when the Indians signed Jack Parkman in Major League Two, <laughs> except you just hope that Carlos Correa isn't an asshole like Jack, Jack Parkman. But he's a hired gun. I mean, and it made sense. He wasn't getting, I guess, the long-term deal he wanted on the market. And the Twins swooped in and said, yeah. how about you play here for a year? Yeah. And then go back out on the market again. Was it that, or what? What I've heard is, I think it was the Yankees. He wanted like three hundred million with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Nope. And so, uh, his, and ironically it, enough, the Twins created the payroll space by trading Donaldson to the Yankees. Yes. And getting them to take his money. Yes. When's the last time the Twins ever got the better of a deal with the Yankees? Right. right. They, but I mean, Josh Bell is still a pretty good player. Right. Apparently Scott Boris, not apparently Scott Boris is his agent, and so sometimes the the, the dots connected are Scott's, you know, sought and not twins. only that, another Scott Boris uh, client is Royce Lewis, Bingo. the Twins Thank rookie you. shortstop, who's probably still a year away. So right, exactly. It makes sense. Yes. Correa comes plays for the Twins for a year, dominates, you know, hits 320 with 30 homers, goes back into the market, gets his 300 million dollar deal and then Royce Lewis has had a whole year to play underneath him whether he's at AAA or he's on the bench for the Twins and then he's ready to step in in 2023. Yes. And, and and you're clearly as a Twins fan who I would agree with is is not uh, hurt, not hurt by the the rental that will be Correa. I mean, there's just a, enjoy there's, the re- there's enjoy a part it. Of, there's a part of me that keeps saying like maybe he'll stay, you know, maybe he'll like it so much. He'll stay if he doesn't play well and no that's one else the, wants That's more. the thing or yeah. he gets hurt. Yeah. Um I guess the one thing I could see, and I, I'm admittedly like talking myself into this, it's unlikely, but the one thing I, I could see is if he has a good year and the Twins do well and he really likes it, and then he realizes that there still might be a better free agent deal out there for me if I wait one more year. Because I think there's going to be two or three other good shortstops in the market next year, but then the year after that, there aren't any at the moment mm. who are set up to be free agents. So maybe he could say, "Hey, I'm still going to make 35 million to play one more year for the Twins. I'll, I'll give him one more year. Maybe, maybe like they come close to making the World Series and fall just short. And he says, you know, I want to give it one more shot. Plays another year and then enters the market again. I think it's. Let me put it this way. I put the chances of him playing three years in Minnesota at about one percent. I put the chances of him playing two years in Minnesota at about." 15 percent and then obviously about an 85 percent chance it's a one-year deal yeah but it'll be a full year because if sure you would think that if the twins are not in contention around the trade deadline then you maybe trade how can you imagine them not being with eight with there's gonna be six teams you're you're gonna be within three games of six or seventh place by you know on the trade i mean you get a healthy buxton uh they went out they traded sunny gray which they gave up their most recent first round pick i was shocked by that trade um it's one thing to trade a a recent first round pick but the one you just made yeah it's a guy who throws 102 miles an hour and he's 19 years old but I'm okay with it. They've they've already said that. Oh, maybe this guy's just going to be a reliever. Well, then why'd you use a first round pick on a guy who's just going to be a reliever? Stop pitcher? hoarding prospects. Yeah, God, yeah. it's the most overrated um, thing they, ever. Is to hoard de- prospects, they, especially in baseball. Yeah, uh, they desperately needed a starting pitcher. Sonny Gray. I don't know if I'd call him a number one, but he's he's a solid, proven yeah. innings eater guy. He's going to be their number one. Yeah, as he'll right probably now. win the Cy Young in the World Series, and Twins fans <laughs> yeah. will bellow about how you yeah. let him go for yeah. a one year rental. Yeah, but um, and then you know. 
getting Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela, are they upgrades from Mitch Garver and Josh Donaldson? Not necessarily, but by making those trades, you got Carlos Correa. Exactly. You know? Just enjoy the ride. Yeah. 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 Any No part of you that uh, feels morally uh, conflicted about getting uh, a guy from the, little, the trash can banging cheaters? A little. And like, I didn't think of it right away. Like, because it happened overnight, and it was funny. Like, Jen and I went to bed that night, and um, I fell asleep before her. And then I woke up the next morning. She had texted me a link to Carlos Correa signs of the Twins, and I was like, "What's this?" I'm like barely awake. You know, I open up. I go, "Holy shit!" You know, and she wakes up, rolls up. What? 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 I was like. Twin sign Carlos Correa. She's like, woke her up. yeah. She was like, I sent you that. I was like, I know. I was asleep. I guess it happened in the middle of the night. And but then, yeah, after the shock and surprise and and glee wore off, I was like, oh yeah, this is one of the guys that I was, you know, booing last year or whatever. But to, in fairness to the Astros, and I don't want to say that too strongly, most of their guys continued to produce. Um, they made it right back to the you know playoffs and. Yeah. I mean, I still think what they did was shitty, and it's obvious that it, it benefited them in certain ways in certain situations. And there's rumors now coming out that the Yankees had a similar uh, scandal, which is the least surprising thing no. to me. And it wouldn't be surprised if it was not limited to those two. Probably not. Well, uh, Logan Morrison played for the Twins a couple of years ago, and when the Astros uh, scandal broke, he's like, yeah, I've played on like six teams that do this. Yeah. You know, if you're not so. cheating, you're not trying. Right, right. Al, Al Bundy famously said that. Yeah. You mind if I tell you a story about that? Sure. <laughs> I told so, you we have time. I, okay, so I'll make this real quick. Is if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Whenever we talk about these teams that cheat and then get all upset about them, thinking that in in any major level sport where a lot of money is involved, so yeah, I mean high stakes college hoops, college football, any any pro league in America. If one t- we, we 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 rarely ever find out or get proof that a team or people cheat, and then when we do, we put up our arms and in and haughty like and not saying that everybody cheats, but a lot, but plenty more do than the one that gets caught, right? Yeah. And uh, to, so it's safe to say a lot of people are cheating, and it reminds me of Al Bundy from Married with Children saying trying to teach Bud a lesson, the anti father. You know, remember Bud, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, I saw Al Bundy deliver that line. It was a rerun, and I was watching it one summer night when I was like 13 years old. I had I had played in a golf tur- like the city golf tournament. <laughs> I had played in the city golf tournament, uh, and was I had a 13 year old. Yes, they, they had the 13 and 14 city okay, championship. Okay, so it was like no, okay, okay. The year before, I had won the 12 and under city championship of Omaha. I, Holy I get, shit, we're getting the John Gaskins glory days. Uh, here. Well, that's because it was a city championship, and all the best pl- kids in the in the city probably were playing at their country clubs that day. And Still, I, I didn't know that okay. you had so, such an accomplished yeah, resume. Of course, when I turned 13, I was like, hey, okay, I can go back to back here. I finished, I didn't play I didn't play bad, I didn't play well. I finished like fourth or fifth, but after the round was done, one of the kids I had played with, I said, like, they had, we all turned in our scorecards. This is obviously way pre-computers and phones and whatever. Uh, and there was one golf pro at the at the course who, you know, was do- doing everything, adding up our scores mm-hmm. to make sure they were right, and then put and then writing the scores on a little scoreboard score sheet uh, on display to make it feel like it was a big deal. And that guy like went in to take a piss or something, and I saw one of the kids that was in my group take my scorecard and try to change my five on the last hole to, to a, a six. I was looking right over his shoulder. 
And I like, I basically shrieked like a little girl, like, ah! you know, because I caught him. Uh-huh. And like, I, you know, I mean, imagine what you would do. I don't yeah. know. I mean, you know, so I mean, like I told the guy when I came out, of course, I was, all of a sudden, I was the, I was the pussy or the, yeah. uh, or I was the shrimp who was like, who tattled, called, tattled, who tattled yeah. because this guy was, you know. And anyway, so that happened. And so I was, so that, that like, you know, that ruined my day. I didn't play very well anyway. And then this happened. And it wasn't so much that somebody, it was like, I was, I was like, I was the bad what, guy in this. What'd they do? Huh? What'd they do? I don't even remember. Hmm. I'm guess I'm guessing they took my word for it and put down a fight. But it's like they reprimanded the kid. Yeah. Uh, or disqualified him. It, it didn't turn into this big dispute. Like he tried, he got caught, whatever. And then I was made to look like the bad guy. Yeah. I should have kicked his ass. Oh yeah, I should have kicked it. Well, then, yes, and I was kind of mad that I didn't kick his ass. So anyway, so all those things. So I just wasn't a happy camper, and then I went home, and and that night I was watching Married with Children, and like, and then Al Bundy tells Bud, and then you felt like, <laughs> oh, I'm on the side remember, of the guy. Remember, uh, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'm like, fuck you, Al Bundy. <laughs> I liked you before this. Um, all right, but yeah, but with Correa, it's kind of like it's. I don't know, rearview mirror, now he's with your team, it's okay. And he was one of the guys that was kind of initially, what, culpable or I, apologetic? I don't, I don't know. Do you I care? Do you I even care? I, I kind of remember Altuve being at the forefront of it and a couple other guys, and I don't know. Okay. I mean, like I said, he, he assuming they didn't find a different way to cheat last year, he was still an extremely good player. So, And it's not just his offense. I mean, he's – a very uh, he, he won the platinum glove last year, which means the best fielder in all of baseball. So, it's a huge signing. I mean, yeah. shortstop was a I, I was going to say a black hole for the Twins. Andrelton Simmons was outstanding defensively, but he hit like a pitcher, you know. So now you have equally as good a defense and an MVP caliber bat in there. I mean, he he was a his WAR was seven last year. That means seven wins just by adding him to your roster. That's what that means. Mm. Uh, that that's a pretty significant yeah. addition. All right, anything. <laughs> In the past, whenever I brought up Cousins, you're just kind of like, nah. I mean, the fact that the um, Vikings – and this is ancient news now, but we haven't talked about it. I wouldn't have been Cousins sad if they'd have traded him. You exactly. know? Me neither. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I'm not like, angry that they re-signed him either because if, if you just were to let him go or cut him, which I realized they couldn't for Sally Crap reasons, there was, they weren't going to get anybody better. I don't think they're going to get anyone in the draft. So it's kind of like, okay, you, you try to get creative and find a way to make some sort of trade. I don't know. If, if you can't do that, you might as well re-sign him. Um, and, and also part of me is like, give the new guy a chance to see what he can do with him, you know? Yes. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, this guy worked with him in Washington, mm-hmm. o- o- O'Connell, O'Donnell, O'Connell. Uh, and I just don't think a t- Tiger changes his stripes very much. I thought Kirk did when he, again, threw the 50-yarder to Thielen and then the touchdown pass to Rudolph and the, against the Saints. But even being who he is is not terrible. That's it, the thing. Well, that's the deal. He's going to yeah. give you a chance. He's going to yeah. give you a chance yeah. to win every game. He's going to yeah. give you a chance to threaten the Packers for the NFC North. because you always 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. You always and, got yeah. the Baylors and Lions to smack around. A lot of those 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns come either early in games when they're going to cruise to a win or late in games when they're down by three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, that's what the cousins, the Crusaders, still don't understand or refuse to see is you put him on the spot, you challenge him, you make him overcome and elevate the team. You make him be a leader mm-hmm. of men in tight situations. With the exception of that one game in New Orleans, he's not that guy. No. He's not. He's just not extra special. But, sure, he's really good and he gives you a chance, whatever. We'll he's see. Fine. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm willing to give the new coaching staff a chance yeah. to see. Um, 
They just signed this dude officially. So uh, we, he's the edge rusher oh. from the Packers, Darius Smith. I mean, you put him alongside Daniel Hunter, that all of a sudden, uh, uh, yeah, makes their defense look a lot better. We just found this out as we record the podcast. Wow, that's you know that was I being rumored a, early in the day. I don't know. If I know it's that's a big name. I couldn't tell you exactly if he's been spellbinding the last couple of years, but I remember two or three years ago when when the Packers got him, that was like a big big deal because Aaron Rodgers always. Famously behind the scenes, one of the, you know, was pissed that he never had a, a good enough defense, right? And I remember one, they, they, they beat the Bears in the opening game, like 17-3, to and he was, you know, giddy. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. 2019 or 2020. Oh, we have a defense. Oh, we finally have a defense. It's great. I love it. And uh, That's a big signing. And, and he was one of the reasons. So that's good. Um, but you know what? The cousin signing also is a is a message. It's directly from the ownership. I don't think this is the new GM. I think this is the ownership just absolutely refusing to ever have a down year. And, and I'm like, and I'm talking about like a tumble, just stumble over year. Three and thirteen play for a pick. Yeah. The Wolves are petrified of that. They are petrified that U.S. Bank Stadium won't sell out, and they are petrified that the Vikings won't be relevant. They won't be a wild card contender in Week 14, 15, 16. Petrified. Good. I mean, I don't know if you know, but it was around the the 90s when baseball teams started like doing these fire sales, where there kind of became this idea that you've heard it said many times before: you're either contending or you're rebuilding. You know, if you're in the middle, you're just wasting money. That's owner speak. That's bullshit. You know, you don't have to tear it all down and hoard cash to save for later because you don't think you can win. I mean, the Twins are a perfect example. They went 73 and 89 last year, um, but they were a team that everyone thought was going to contend for the World Series. It would have been very easy and 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 rational to say, "Hey, our window closed. Let's blow it up, rebuild, not sign Byron Buxton. You know, trade everyone else." At the deadline last year, they could have, you know, traded Donaldson, traded Buxton, traded you know everybody. But instead, they you know finished the season kind of strong. You know they didn't play out the string uh, all 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 through April, May, and June. I was calling for Rocco Baldelli to get fired, and by the end of the year, they were playing hard for him. And I was coming around like, yeah, I think they're figuring some shit out. And then they get into this off season where they again had another opportunity to rebuild. And they said, you know what? No, let's go out and make some moves. They're expanding the playoffs. You know, there's a the, the lockout's over. Let's go out and get these dudes. Like they're trying to win, and I don't know if they're going to be able to. You know, you could make an argument that they'd be. Sw- wiser to rebuild but they're going for it and i like that that's what we're supposed to be doing that's you know all these labor disputes and all this shit that we always talk about in sports the idea is it's supposed to be you're trying to win well if you're trying to win great but i think the wilfs are more concerned about relevance and i i think but i think they go hand in hand to some degree i think their perception of relevance is because these are these are new yorkers yeah but look at the vikings roster you've got you've still got Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. I mean, Adam Thielen's getting older, but Harrison Smith is getting older. But Daniil Hunter, I mean, even Kirk Cousins himself, it's not like he's ancient. Right. You know, we can talk about what his problems are. Age is not one of them. No. You know, this isn't, so far. This isn't some roster that's like, oh, we got to re- – you know, again, if, if, if they decided when they brought in a new coach and a new GM, now's the time to rebuild, I wouldn't blame them for that. I think yeah. that would be a, a understandable stance. But I like the fact that they're saying, oh, let's keep trying to win. Well, Especially uh, in the NFL, which is the league that has more parity than any of the professional sports leagues. I, I can't not necessarily not – I can't not side with that. I, can't, I can also not 
not side with the the part that goes god just get for once sacrifice a year maybe two to see if you can come out better on the other end but you don't ever get that guarantee you never I get know. that guarantee you're, the, the other the other part to that is you're not guaranteed that you're just going to contend for a super bowl now that you were right. able to you know stumble that's, over that's the narrative about the vikings that they're the, never good enough to win and never bad enough course. to rebuild i know yes. but well, they, they've had some they had a 3 and 13 year under leslie frazier you know, they had a couple. I think they had a five and eleven under Denny Green. You know, they they they've had some bad seasons. Yeah, not very many of them. Right. Part of it is they've just never got the number one pick. Right. I and mean, what's the highest pick they've had? I think number. I, I think mean, Adrian the, Peterson was like six or seven. Yeah, I, I don't think, know. I think it was Matt Khalil. I think they took him fourth. <laughs> Well, I mean, but, but, he, and that's well, that, but that's also proof that like just because you get a top four pick, right? I mean, it's changing the universe, right? Um, and by the way, again, when you bring that history of the Vikings up, I always say the Chiefs until 2018, 2019 were the same franchise in the AFC, eternally wild card, eternally 10 and 6, eternally good. But they had Mahomes with the 10th pick, right? They did, right. Well, that's my point. It's, it's I don't, whether it's your a draft pick or a free agent. It's it, for the for the Chiefs, it was literally a quarterback. They had the other pieces. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill was a baby, and Travis Kelsey was a baby. But they were there with Alex Smith. Like it was a it was a it was a it was an alien quarterback uh, f- with of the ages talent, and that's how they finally broke that mold. Kirk Cousins is not that, but they could still. It's not like we're going to sit here and say they're. I mean, it feels like they're going to go eight and eight, nine and seven again, but. Whatever. Nine and eight, ten and seven. Oh, that's right. Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> I hate that. I'm never going to get used to it. Why? Just because for my entire life, 16 games has been this even number that yeah. you memorize. That you're, yeah. I think we can go 12 and four. Uh, I think we're going to go 10 and six. Ah, uh, They're going to go seven and nine. Now it's. Uh, well, yeah. Does 12 wins mean as much anymore? Does 11 wins mean as much anymore? Yeah. These are the great. Will anyone questions. ever go 0-17? We've seen 0-16. Will anyone go 0-17? These are the kind of questions that keep men mesmerized in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon <laughs> at the Gateway Lounge. Would you have beat that kid up? Would you really have gone after that kid? I probably would have like shoved him or kicked him in the back of his leg. <laughs> he was in front of you, right? Uh, yeah, he was sitting down. Yeah, I would have given yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? All right. Uh, Thanks. Wow, that, that might be a new record. Outside of episode one, 77 minutes might be a new record. Hey, it's we had a lot. We didn't even did. get to Tom Brady came back. Well, I mean, the Browns signed to? a rapist as their quarterback. Like, <laughs> Ooh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, I, well, a sexual harasser. I'll, that's I'll, I'll a sexual it. harasser. Yeah, yeah. A masseuse yeah. harasser. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it all masseuses? I don't know, but there, okay. was, there was a lot of them. Yeah. That's, and then didn't they give him – it's all guaranteed, like 200 some million, all guaranteed, something like that. <sighs> he must have needed him that badly. It's an indictment on Baker so Mayfield. Well, now Baker's available. Would you want him? <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, like, come on. He was good for a while. That's not entertaining. An even, that's not a better, that's not an even swap. Or that's not, he strikes me as the kind of guy who he had his shot. He'll go be a backup for four or five yeah. years, and maybe he'll grow up a little bit. Yeah. He'll be like Jim Harbaugh on the Colts. Okay. You know, like he'll have oh, a late career. Rich Gannon reference. on the Raiders. Excellent you know, reference. Like a late, when he's 36, he'll be the backup somewhere, and the starter will get hurt, and he'll step in and resurrect his career. Yeah, he'll be like ancient history. Yeah. He'll be like, oh, my God, that I forgot about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think his progressive commercials are over? Probably. I hope so. They're not he very was, good. Oh, I like them. <laughs> I always thought they were pretty good. The one, I did like the one with Alice Cooper. 
Yeah. Uh, and I put this on a Twitter poll the other night uh, toward the end of the uh, Iowa State-Wisconsin game uh, with Lily being everywhere on, AT, uh, on these NCAA commercials. Lily or Flo, better commercials, more entertaining. Mm. Well, I guess. Everyone whatever. likes Lily because she's hot as fuck. Yeah. That's why. That's why I figured most people would go for Lily. Look, me and Jen were talking about it the other day. Like you can, like I don't know if you knew this. This Lily character, like she's so pervasive on these commercials, and she's so objectively gorgeous that like she was getting harassed on Twitter all the time by creeps. So like it looks like on the commercials they're like trying to intentionally like tone down her hotness. Like they're kind of trying to frump her up so she gets let. Because Jen was saying that he's like, why she look like that? I was like, because she's trying to get less attention from Twitter trolls. She's never been that propped up as a sex mm, goddess. Really. I, I no, but like it's like it the just, girl next door. She's fucking hot. I dude. understand this. <laughs> just Even trust I me. I, understand. I, was I, don't, say. I don't have to trust you. I <laughs> can tell she's hot. You you know. You can tell like Mark Sanchez is hot or something is he? like that. I, uh, I think I have I think I have different taste in men than you do. Um, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, whatever. Well, what's your ta- okay? So what's your taste in men? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think of the last guy. I was like, that guy's a really good looking dude. <laughs> I mean, there've been some, but not, I can't. None of them popped to mind. Uh, sp- but since you made a Harbaugh throwback reference, and this is probably it. Uh, uh, to the that was the early '90s when. Um, he became the quarterback. So it is my first day on the job with the Canaries. I would not have anything to say about it today other than it was my first day on the job. But on, but I find out today, this had nothing to do with me, uh, even though I am the quote-unquote entertainment director, that um, Vanilla Ice, Tone Loke, and others are coming back to Sioux Falls at the Birdcage August 5th for an I Love the 90s concert at the Birdcage. Is this, are you breaking the news right here? Well, no, we broke the news. but you know, Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Well, you know. Yeah, it was on our social media, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'll. Isn't Tone Loke the one who like faked his death? He, basically, he dies on stage every time. Oh, I was there. Yeah, I was there. He, this is the second time the I Love the '90s tour has come to Sioux Falls. Okay, and so when it came here, at my, the Denny. Yeah, my brother was there, and he texted yeah. me. He's like, "I think Tone Loke just died on stage." Yeah, and I was like, "What?" And so it was like blown up on social media. But then it turns out like he does that at every show. Well, like he gets too worked up and he passes out from exhaustion and has to be carried off the stage. And like, I tweeted it, and as far as I recall, that's about as much traction as I've ever gotten from a tweet, uh-huh. uh, or at least a non-sports tweet. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, Tone Loke's universal. And uh, like I remember, St- I remember Stu was still at the Argus. It was a Saturday night, and Stu like retweeted that, and he subtweeted. He was like, "Whoa!" And because yeah, he was it was to- he was performing one of his three hits. Funky he, Cold Medina. Yeah, it was probably Funky Cold Medina, and he like he he keeled over, half his ass was showing, <laughs> his huge ass, and everybody was like, "Ah, what the hell!" Like people were laughing. Then they're like, "What?" Oh shit, this is trouble. And then the curtains close, and and we I was at an angle, my seats were at an angle where I could see what was going on behind the curtain, the, yep. and everybody's like freaking out and frantically moving. So and they, even behind the curtain, they were keeping it like it was a medical emergency. Yeah. And the whole place was, you know, and the and so there's like I don't know three or four minutes of this utter chaos, uh, chaos and fear, and then whoever was emceeing this came out and uh, was just like, well, the show must go on. I mean, we still got a show to do because like salt and pepper and vanilla uh-huh. ice were still to come out there. Uh-huh. And then a half hour later, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he's back. 
he's okay. And then I later, and then someone had, you know, someone finally, I don't know, responded to me on Twitter and just like showed me, linked me an article from some show he did in New Jersey three years before that. I don't think he does this at every show, but he had done it before. Yeah. He had uh, supposedly had what looked like a heart attack. And uh, So either he's heroic, faking it yeah. or he's just in such terrible oh, shape that – Every third or fourth show, he actually passes I mean, out, but I, he's okay. I had I had no doubt he was faking it. Just faking it? it? Yeah, it's like, this is... Uh, why why, why this, is that entertaining? I think it's... Uh, so he can I, make the triumphant return? I think return. it's incredibly narcissistic and egotistical yeah. to take over the show, that even though people are going to love you forever for Funky Cole Medina and... Uh, what were his other Wild ones? Thing. Wild Thing. Because, yeah, he hadn't played Wild Thing yet, so when he came back out, he did Wild, Wild Thing. thing. And it, the place went apeshit. I think it's because that—that's not apparently that's not enough for him. Uh, plus, he's not the headliner, right? right? Vanilla Ice was the headliner, so this is the way to upstage. Yeah, it's in Sioux Falls, you know, 30 years past your prime. That was my theory. It's like this is what he does. This is this is the depths Tone Loke goes to to get just a little bit more, yeah. just a little bit more adoration. Okay, so August 5th, Birdcage, uh, where the Sioux Falls Canaries play. Vanilla Ice, Tone Loki, Young MC, Ooh. Naughty by Nature, and DJ Cool. Those are some additions. Uh, those are some additions. They had uh, Young MC, bust a move. We're gonna bust a move. Stand on the wall like you was Poindexter. <laughs> Come into the birdcage, August fifth. Be there. All right. Is, does he go by Old MC now? <laughs> I know that's the lamest <laughs> he joke. Should. But seriously. Well. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's always fun to see what these guys look like. At that, this was five years ago. the uh, the big uh, The big kind of clown show was uh, I think it was either color. I think it was color me bad. Yep, it was color me. The red haired guy's fat now. No, all of them were. Oh, okay. Well, it was. They did a behind the music on VH1 a few years ago, and like the red headed guy. Is fat and old, but he's like the one guy who's like got his life together. He like owns yeah. his own yeah. tire shop yeah. and has a wife and ten kids, yeah. and yeah. he's like the happiest guy ever. They're like, <laughs> "You are you embarrassed?" He's like, hell no. He's like, "I have the greatest life." Was, well, they did. Cool I, I think I think it's the same guy you were talking. About. One of them looked extremely happy to be up there. Mm -hmm. They all did, but it was like these these sex symbols. These you know who are the inspiration behind Dick in the Box <laughs> for, for for Andy Sandler and Justin Timberlake. I mean, uh, you know, these they were they were absolute gods. And then you know, I mean, age takes the best of you. We should none, neither yeah, we're, of us should we're be no ones to talk. To fun of them, yeah. uh, nor anybody listening to this. But it was still like, wow, they've let themselves go, and they're still singing these songs that are. You know, I suppose they can still say. By their very, yeah, yeah. no, they were actually terrible. That was oh, the really? other part. They were oh. fat and they were, and they were terrible. But, That's unfortunate. Uh, but they're not going to be at the birdcage on August fifth. But Tone Loke and Young MC is. So, uh, I don't know. Get an oxygen tank and a Gatorade <laughs> cooler for Tone Loke. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No. Okay. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Because <laughs> you know how to run drinks? Yes. <laughs>